Uh, greetings to you from Church of the Redeemer. Uh, again, we're in St. Paul, St. Paul suburbs, um, and it's good to worship with you uh, today. Um, as we're lighting the fourth uh, candle of Advent, it reminded me of uh, our first Sunday of Advent in Church of the Redeemer, and there was a little boy who was a little frustrated that his mom wouldn't light all the candles on the first Sunday of Advent. And so we're getting more and more to that time, and I think that's part of our part of our a good image for each of us in the ways in which um, when we say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, we wish that all the candles would be lit, um, that God would be with us. Um, and so I pray that as we uh, listen to God's word, as we approach Christmas, that we would have even more that fervent, uh, zealous desire that, that God would be fully with us and we in him. Please pray with me. Lord, may the, by the clearness and the brightness of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. What is your place of rest? Um, probably maybe more specifically, what is your place of rest um, at your home? Is it your bedroom? Um, maybe a favorite couch or a chair that you have? Um, maybe the bathtub is the place of rest where you just got to be surrounded by warmth. Or um, kids, maybe it's a special nook within your house with blankets um, and pillows, a place where you can be cozy and, uh, and read a book and feel safe. I've been seeing um, ads online, you know those banner ads that come up when you're just surfing the internet. Um, one of them that is advertising adult tents. So like a tent, maybe you've seen this, or maybe it's just particular to me, which that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, but it's, it's a banner ad. It has a picture of a, of a person climbing into a tent that's set up in their living room with like a little zipper um, that, they, that they close up. And I, I saw that this week thinking that when people are selling tents to adults for the living room, uh, you know that there is a problem with places of rest within our home, that we're setting up little forts for ourselves. Kids, maybe that's a way you could save money for your family, your parents. You could set up a tent in the house. I hope I'm not causing trouble for parents by encouraging that. And I do wonder, you know, should it concern me that an advertising algorithm thinks that I would be interested in an adult tent in my living room? I shouldn't overthink it. There are fewer boundaries between our places of rest and our places of work and our places of study and our places of parenting if we're parents. And that was true before the pandemic. Um, technology was making that, especially work boundaries and, and school boundaries, um, that so many of those boundaries were collapsing. And it won't always be that way, but it certainly is that way in a very particular and an intense way in this present season. Our homes have become our place of work and our place of rest, our place, um, maybe because of all that time together, places of trial, sometimes places of isolation. And then to top it all off, we're told, stay there. Stay in your home. Stay in that place where the boundaries seem to be sometimes so collapsed that it's really, really hard and frustrating. A place of rest, of course, we know is more than just a location, although there are certainly locations and spaces that are more conducive to rest. But a place of rest is a state of comfort and of peace, of rest and security that we can enter into um, in many different kinds of spaces. And so how do we enter into rest in this time in which there's so, so much restlessness? There's so much restlessness about our time, so much restlessness about our environments. 
2 Samuel chapter 7, which we read today, describes a time in which King David entered into rest after a long period of unrest and restlessness. That he was on the run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. He was living in some ways as an exile in the midst of the land in which he had been anointed king. And so he was very thankful for the gift of rest um, that's described in our passage today as he entered into Jerusalem. That God had given him victory over his enemies, and he entered Jerusalem in triumph. And it was a time of great worship and celebration, which you can read about um, in the chapters before. As we can look forward to the time in which we are at rest as a people, when we're all able to come together and be at rest from so many of the things that, uh, that are sort of spirits of unrest or cause unrest within us, I bet we can all imagine the intensity, uh, the joy of that kind of celebration as David entered into the rest of uh, Jerusalem. Remember the many psalms which um, David sings about how he desired God's presence and entering God's rest. He sang about it and invoked it in the psalms, in words like, In the Lord I take refuge. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He wrote a song of worship um, that was true of him, but then also uh, described as being true of Jesus, saying, Zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. David recognized that his rest and his deliverance came from the Lord. They were gifts from God, and so he closely sought to be close to God and connected to God's presence. And so when the Ark of the Covenant, the sign of God's presence with his people, came into Jerusalem, David was sensitive to the contrast. You might even say, you get a sense that he maybe was scandalized by the contrast, that he lived in a house and the sign of the presence of God lived in a tent. David was sensitive to the, God, the place of God's rest in his own in that contrast, thinking the Lord shouldn't dwell in a tent, but in the grandest house that money can buy or that I can build, um, that that would be his zeal for the Lord's house. And his desire was earnest. He sought the counsel of a godly man. He sought Nathan the prophet. David didn't just go out and do these things on his own. And it seemed like a good idea to both of them that David would desire this and should purpose to build the Lord a house. And so David went to bed, we might imagine, just thinking about the, the preparations he would make, the ways that he would move this uh, project forward. But that same night, the Lord came to Nathan the prophet and told him that he did not require a house from David, just as he had not required a house from Deborah or Gideon or Jephthah or Samson or any of the judges for the hundreds of years before David. That God is the creator of heaven and earth, that through him all things were made. And so the Lord does not dwell in houses made with hands, because not even heaven and earth can contain him, so how can a house contain him? That the Lord's resting place isn't a building or a city or a geographic region, but as it comes up through so much of scripture, God's dwelling place is with his people. God's dwelling place is with his people. Heaven and earth cannot contain him, the great expanse of all that is. But at the very same time, his presence is near and dwells with his people, us, each of us so local and contained and small and humble. And so David rejoiced in the rest that God had given, in, given him 
as he himself rested in Jerusalem, but God had a greater thing to give David, even more rest than he could have imagined. That David's vision for the future was a grand vision, but it wasn't nearly grand enough. Instead of building a place of rest for God, God would build a further place of rest and um, secure for David greater rest than he already had by dwelling with him and with his sons as a father relates to his son. Like a father, the Lord was faithful to David and to his sons after him. Like a father, the Lord showed love to him through discipline as well as security and provision and protection. That the Lord defended his people from their enemies and he also corrected them when they went astray. That the Lord fulfilled his promise to David He showed steadfast love to David and his descendants in protection as well as discipline until finally in Jesus, the son of David and the son of God, uh, was born to Mary. God made a dwelling place with Mary in a very unprecedented way. Mary was the first to make a place for the son of God within her when she said yes to God in that very deep, intimate way. And Mary's yes was more than just a passive acceptance. Um, The let it be to me according to your word was not just do what you need to, but it was a true acceptance of that all of her life would be transformed, that her whole body would be devoted to this gift of bearing the Son of God. That God rested in her and she entered into God's rest. demands upon her body and her future, her appetites, her identity in the eyes of her community around her. All these were impacted by that blessing of receiving the life of the world within her. She received the Lord in obedience and responded in worship later, uh, proclaiming in the words of the Magnificat, which are later in Luke, um, which which we've read today. In those words, she proclaimed the rest that God had given her and proclaimed God's rest for all of her people. Like Mary, we also receive the Lord in obedience and also respond in worship. Like Mary, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord dwells with us in a deep and profound way. He dwells in us and we in him. He is for us, and then he communicates his love to the world through us. The presence of the Lord with us has a power to give rest to the unrest of our sins and the difficulties of our circumstances. The rest of the Lord has power to give peace to the unrest of our obsessions and our addictions. Um, Those feelings especially that we might be feeling, particularly in this time where we're said, just stay, stay in place. He offers peace to our fears about sickness, about finances about our country's political and cultural disorder. Our location and our circumstances don't change. They're not, we're not pulled out of things. It's not pressing an easy button um, as we receive the presence of the Lord. Our homes are still the same. The places of our abode and our dwelling are still the same. But we no longer face those trials alone or in our own strength, but the Lord is our resting place. And as people with whom God dwells, He uses us to invite others into his rest. We spread abroad through our lips and with our lives the good news of great joy, which isn't just for us, but is for all people, that Jesus Christ, the Savior, is born, that God has come to us. 
And so like David, we don't need to build something in order for the Lord to take up residence with us, for his presence to rest with us. He's actually not far off from any one of us. In him, we live and move and have our being. And so we enter his rest through worship, like these times that we share um, today. And we can enter his rest through the daily worship of the Psalms, like the Psalm that we read today, that when we are pressed upon, um, when we are uh, experiencing the difficulties of our circumstances, we can claim those promises that our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have hoped in his holy name, that his merciful kindness and presence is with us and upon us if we put our trust in him. I don't know the difficulties of your circumstances or the particular location and the boat or the people that you're with, but when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and receive the Holy Spirit within us, God dwells with us in whatever the circumstances and whatever trials we face. So that even in the midst of this season of tremendous unrest and restlessness of global, local, and personal challenge, the life that we bear within us is the eternal life of God, the very fullness of life. Behold, the dwelling place of the Lord is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he will be their God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.